You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles brought to you by Rock Auto. I'm your host, Drake, and in just a few short moments, I'll be joined by my boy, Dave, and our very, very special guest, Austin Vesey, for our State of the FS Union Basketball Edition. Now, for those of you that are not familiar with Austin, he is the lead writer and lead analyst over at Knoll Game Day. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think there is a better person on the beat right now that actually knows the in and outs of the basketball program. Austin, as he will tell you, was one of the managers for the team while he was there for school. He also has some great insight onto the transfers that are coming in, the Husky recruits that are also coming in as well. And we have a lot of fun breaking down the actual season as a whole and what we have looking forward to uh, for next year. So with that being said, without further ado, I won't keep you all waiting. Here's me, Dave, and Austin. So everyone, welcome back to another episode of uh, State of the FS Union. Today we have a very, very special guest with us here. It is Austin Vesey from Knoll Game Day. Say what's up to people, Austin. What's up, man? How are y'all doing? Oh, uh, we're good. We're good. Just, you we're know, good. for those of us that are, I guess, what our listeners are, are very uh, the uninitiated, you want to tell them, you know, where you, what you do, where you work, where your credentials for covering FSU basketball? Yeah, so I'm the lead basketball writer over at nolgameday.com. Uh, so co-host the podcast over there called Here's the Spear. Um, originally, when I was at Florida State, I worked, I was a manager with the men's basketball team from 2016 through 2019. So got a lot, got a lot of experience with FSU basketball, and uh, I've enjoyed covering it so far. Hey, man, that's, we, we started our own little uh, – before we moved over to Lockdown Seminoles with Knowles Anonymous, we were part of uh, uh, Knowles Anonymous, basically, and then we did a, a Dunks, Ribbles, and Dimes, which is our basketball-centered podcast. And honestly, me and Dave are huge fans of what you you know what you do with covering the basketball team because like, you're one of the few people on the beat right now that we know actually has – like knows what's going on with the basketball program. It, it's tough because they keep, so, they keep things so close to the chest, and if you don't know the staff directly, they're not going to tell anybody because they, they don't like any of the, me- the local media. You know, it's just good – it's good to hear people covering it, man. It, it yeah. honestly is. The staff just doesn't like local media. They call them the enemy. So it's really tough to get information, but the people that do, they, they know their stuff. That's good to hear with that, man. So then let's start off, I guess, from the beginning of the year. What did you think the expectations were for FSU basketball coming into the, you know this past year? Post-COVID, we, we had a team that probably honestly could have won national title, and then that was kind of like taken away from us. So how did you feel going into this year about the program? I was pretty confident. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, they're losing Patrick Williams. Oh, they're losing Trent Forrest, who, in my opinion, is one of the three greatest players ever come through the program. Losing Devin Vassell, who was really good. Also lost, you know, a steady guy in Dominic Olenichuk. A, a, a lot of people were like, I don't really see it. They, they, they'll probably get in the tournament, but after that, who knows? I was pretty high on them. I thought second weekend should have been the expectation. Um, I thought there was enough talent coming back, and I expected a big step forward from Raekwon Gray and Anthony Polite, which we saw this season. Um, there, there were a couple of guys I were expecting a little bit more out of, like uh, Sadar Calhoun. I thought he'd be a little bit better. I thought Scotty Barnes would be a little bit better. Um, but, but overall, I expected at least a Sweet 16, if not a little bit more. And, you know, that's what they got to. Yeah, so I, I'm curious for your take. You just mentioned Scotty Barnes. And it's tough to put – of my finger on how I feel about his year was because the kid can pass the basketball. The kid's an athletic freak. I don't think he scored as much as some people would like, but I I talk about this a lot where on on a Hamilton team, especially as a freshman, 
you're typically, even as a five-star recruit, not going to play enough minutes to be minutes to be scoring 15, 20 points a game. I think he has the potential, but were you frustrated by his performance this year? At times, you know, there were there were times where I wish he would just get downhill on ball screens, or I wish he'd just be aggressive and get to the rim. But he was never that kind of player. And I think we all expected a little bit too much from him where, yeah, he's this five-star, he's a top-ten player, but he was never a scorer in high school because he's playing along Kate Cunningham and these other guys. He was always asked to distribute the basketball, play good defense, and then just contribute to scoring when necessary. And then from camp, you know, we're hearing, oh, he might be the best player that's ever come through. Then you then you start seeing him playing. He's, he's just not that aggressive. He's still learning the position. So, yeah, I, I think we all expect a little bit more, but when you look back at it in hindsight – I think it's about right. Okay, then. So do you think that, I guess, compounded with that, and we kind of – I think the first month of the season, like, MJ Walker was playing, like, an, a potential ACC player of the year, and then he just kind of, like, fell off a little bit. Do you think that was kind of, like, a reason behind the struggles for the team heading into the postseason? I think it's definitely part of it. Um, you know, he was the guy all season, and then once he started getting hurt, like, he, he didn't practice from – I think middle of February on, and it's the, he's a guy. He's a rhythm guy. When he's not getting his shots up every day, because he does the same routine before and after every single practice. When he can't do that, it's tough for him. Um, and you saw it. I, I think the other thing that kind of killed us down the stretch is not having a true point guard. Yeah, you know, we didn't have that Trent Forrest. Didn't have that David Nichols. Didn't have that. You know, Luke Lauks, whoever you want to name. <laughs> As a throwback We're, and a half. <laughs> like, when the team was playing well in the season, it's because Raekwon Evans was playing phenomenal. You know, he yeah. had that three-game stretch where he had nine points against Clemson. Then he had, what, 24 against NC State or something like that. And that's when the team was just firing on all cinders because when Florida State has a dangerous point guard, it really gets everybody going. Once he started falling off a little bit, they were relying on Raekwon Gray a little bit too much. Do you, do you think MJ came into this year thinking, all right, I have to be the guy to pick it up for Trent Forrest? For sure. I, I absolutely think that. That's just the way his mindset is. Um, he's a very competitive guy. I think everybody knows that. He, he knew someone had to pick up the leadership. Someone had to pick up, you know, what's being lost, not just with Trent, but with Devin Vassell. Um, he, he knew someone had to take that over. And I think he definitely took over in a vocal sense. Um, but once – once he was in his own head about his injuries and not playing well, I think it affected everybody else as well. Yeah, that's a tough spot to go into. I mean, like you said, I'm as big of a Trent Forrest fan as you are. That's one of the better players to ever come through Florida State. And MJ was a McDonald's All-American, but, I mean, coming into this year, he hadn't, he hadn't really been the kind of kid I expected to compete for Conference Player of the Year or anything like that. So, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I didn't expect him to be Trent Forrest, but – we talked about it earlier on in the season. I didn't know who the hell that was going to be. And that was a scary thought coming into this season of, do we have anybody on this team that even can lead? Yeah. And that, to me, that was still the thing we were missing most is leadership or that dog, if, if you want to put it that way. Um, MJ can be that guy. We talked to Patrick Williams on Here the Spear um, right before he got drafted last year. And he said there, there was a lot of times last year where MJ just stood up and said, hey, we're supposed to be this and we're not being that. I think he definitely can be that guy. He's just one of those guys that I think the 2018-19 season was a perfect emulation of what you want MJ Walker to be, where he has someone he can feed off of, but he can be that second second alpha for sure. 
Yeah, I was about to ask because, like, do you think the emer- we saw the emergence of Raekwon Gray this past year? Like, he just became a whole- they took a next to a whole nother level. I mean, I make comparisons that he was making shots after shots after shots with the big size yeah. that he had. Like, do you think that his emergence kind of like taking the spotlight away from an MJ? Like, do you think that kind of affected him mentally because he was also injured? He w- and everything wasn't sinking down right. Uh, I don't think so. Um, MJ's played that part before where he's been feeding off over the people. I mean, like the season before, like like we've been saying, where he's feeding off Trent and Devin. The year before, we had so many talented guys from Trent to Terrence to Phil to Brian and Gola, if you want to go back a couple more years. I mean, he's he's used to feeding off other people, and that's how Florida State's built, is you feed off the success of your teammates. Um, he's never been involved. Now attacking the basket opens up a little bit more for MJ to create, just catch and shoot. Hey, y'all. Let me tell you something about today's title sponsor, rockauto.com. rockauto.com is a family-run business serving auto parts for customers online for over 20 years. I should know better than anyone. My uncle, shouts out to me, Dio Francisco in the South Florida Del Rey area, has been a mechanic for over 30 years since he immigrated over here from Panama. And he swears he's been a customer for Rock Auto as long as he can remember, and he swears by their product. And if it's good enough for him, a mechanic with that much experience, then trust me and believe it's good enough for you as well. The best thing about rockauto.com is that they have a unique catalog, their prices are always reliably low, and it's perfect for people that are do-yourselfers. If you don't have enough time to go to a mechanic or... Um, if you're not like me, who's not that actually well-versed in being in car stuff and you can do it yourself, it's perfect for you as well. So please, go to rockout.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On and their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Yeah, so you had you had a few guys take steps forward this year. You like you also mentioned mentioned polite, but also took a took a great step forward, I yeah. thought. Uh you had several guys, you know, kind of put themselves in the position where had they come back, uh man, I'd feel really good about next year. That being said, you, having so many guys take steps forward, did it kind of disappoint you? I know you mentioned Second round was kind of your expectation, but would you think that if you had known going into the season that you were going to have four guys take big steps forward, that we would be, we would be not making an elite eight. Would that bother you? Um, I don't know. I consider it disappointing. Cause I, like just from what I've experienced under that staff, I expect guys to develop rapidly. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw it happen with Brian Angola in one off season where he went from four points a game to 13. So I, I expect guys to take step forward and take that challenge. And you, you could see the flashes in Balsha Kupervice a year before. Yeah. You know, yeah, he was soft. He, he got pushed around. But you saw the offensive potential when he caught the ball. And we got to see it on full display this year. I wasn't surprised by that at all. Polite, I wasn't surprised either. He's At this point, this is his fourth year in the program. Um, if the staff has that trust in him, I have that trust in him. And he came through in a big way this season. And then Raekwon Gray, I know a lot of people dogged on him last year. But the, the flashes were there. The potential was there. He just had to, he had to be – his entire thing was he had to be confident. When he's confident in his abilities and he can get downhill and he can pass, no one's stopping him. And he, he took such a huge step forward this year in confidence, just confidence alone. I mean, you're, you'll you'll never hear Raekwon Gray slander from me, the two of us. We love Raekwon Gray on here. That, the way yeah. he plays, the way that he approached everything. I remember him coming as a freshman. He was like like slightly overweight. And he looked like he worked every single year he got better. He worked and just gained the way that he's supposed to be. And like he looked, he looked great. And I love the kid a lot. Would and you then, call him Baby Harden? I called him. I called him Baby Harden. I did. I did. Just the way, like he had a Eurostep type of move that I saw him like when he drove to the paint. I'm like that. I'm like that is some as a big guy at that size. That's co- extremely impressive. I only saw it with Harden. I mean, they're not the same scorer, obviously, but no, no not even close. But then 
I guess back to what you mentioned about Balsa, like were you, he did develop in a huge, huge way. I don't think a lot of people saw him like doing that, I guess, except for you, but we obviously didn't. So then were you surprised when you heard him, you know, put his name in the the NBA draft and leave for the NBA? Um, I was pretty surprised. Um, Because, I mean, look, everyone saw the potential. And you're like, if he does this for one more year, he could turn these inconsistent flashes to consistent performances. You know, he could be an easy top 15 pick. He, he's just got that skill set that NBA teams love. He's got really quick feet for someone his size. And we saw towards the end of the season, he can stretch his shout out to three. Um, if he can take that little hitch out of his jumper, I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. But then as, I, like, as we were in Tallahassee, literally my first time in Tallahassee in two years, you know, a couple of people started telling me, hey, Walsh has already left. He's out of town. I'm like, seriously? There's no way. I'm like, yeah, he, he just want to leave. Um, I, I get the feeling he was just kind of homesick. You know, he's been in Florida since he was 13. I'm sure that's tough on a kid. And he was really close with Dominic Lenachuk last year, and there's no more Europeans on the team this year unless you want to count polite, which, yeah, he was born um, in Switzerland, but, you know, his dad's American. He spent most of his life here. I, I think he still considers himself American. Um, so I, I'm sure it was really hard on Bosch. I think he's a really talented player. Um, had he stayed one more season, I think he would have absolutely gone first round next year. But it, it's hard to fault a kid for missing home. Yeah, and you know, it, I always wonder when you see decisions like that, if it's a kid knowing how great the life is playing over in Europe in some places. Like, I remember hearing stories about David Estolkis just living the life playing basketball yeah. over in Europe. And, and there's two really good professional development teams in Bosch's home, home country of Serbia. They've got two – I forget the names of the teams off the top of my head. I'd have to go back to a conversation with the scout. Um but there's, there's two really, really good professional factories over there that have produced numerous NBA players just from spending a year or two in that system. So he can go home, go play for a professional team, make some money doing it, and then a year or two come back over to the NBA and get paid a lot of money for doing it. I was about to say, like, do you think that's the plan for him is, is to go to one of those two developmental teams and then actually enter the NBA draft for then? Or do you think he's going to go straight there if he gets drafted high enough? I would assume he's um, going to go to Serbia. Um, I know he's going to try out for it, but I don't think he's talented enough to get drafted right. Well, I shouldn't say talented enough. I don't think he's got enough on tape. Not developed enough to go right away. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I mean, like I have a fraternity brother of mine. Um, I mean, you probably covered him when you were there. Ian Miller was my pledge brother, and he he's been living the life over there for the past like you know yep. six to seven years over there. So then we also have Sardar Cahoon leaving the team as well, which I kind of also saw was kind of a surprise as well. Like, is he? What's behind that? Like, because I don't think Dave and I kind of assumed that he was going to be the next one, the next man up for next season, but. That doesn't seem to be the uh, plan moving forward with the team. Yeah, it, it, it's a really tricky situation. Um, he was one of those guys. He almost tested the NBA right out of Juco, like Jay Scrub did. Okay. Um, and he had to be talked out of it. Uh, he He's absolutely talented enough. He's another guy that if he can turn those inconsistent flashes to consistent play, he's a phenomenal player. He's a plus athlete, can shoot the three really well. Um, I think he's just testing the waters right now, but I also think he's kind of leaning towards going. I know he, he comes from a rough situation. I, I think he just wants a little bit of money in his pocket. I don't really blame him for it. Tough to fault kids for that. Like, even with the NIL stuff coming up, if you have a chance to go get money. It's hard, it's, it's hard for me oh, to tell them it's dumb. I, I wouldn't say no, man. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. they're like 19, 20 years old, man. I would kill for, like, the amount of money that someone will get paid for at this at the, at the stage of the juncture, especially when, you know, you, you kind of need it in some circumstances. For sure, yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't blame that at all. I think he's a really talented player. I talked to him a lot last year. But as he was coming up through Juco, he'd send me some of his tape so I could – share with fans, but I think he's a really talented player if he can put it all together. 
Yeah, I mean, he was like was the one thing that uh, me and Dave were saying about him was he's probably one of the most athlete, more athletic players that we saw because so he, he's so bouncy. Just watching him dunk and just attack the rim was just, it was just fun to watch. Yeah, and I never saw that on his JUCO film. That was a funny thing. He came Wait, in. Really? <laughs> yeah, he came, like I knew he was a great athlete, but I didn't expect you know 45, 46 inch vertical like he has. Are you good at expecting the unexpected? Did you know that Sardal Cahoon was going to head to the NBA draft on like the three of us so-called experts today? Then you should put your money where your mouth is and put it to work at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in a full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. I can guarantee you right now that the Mars will not hit their win totals. Slam that right now. And just at BetOnline, you get all the latest news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. If you want to take the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight that's this coming June, then you can bet on that as well. Don't sit in the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as these teams prep for their, hopefully their run of the playoffs with the NHL, get into the midseason for the summer baseball, and also get ready to maybe even bet on some NBA draft odds. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at betaline.ag. Okay, so then it seems that basically that you – so you kind of had the expectation for this season that we were going to be a Sweet 16 team. So. And then I guess what was your I want to know what were your expectations for FSU basketball I guess when you first came to FSU when you worked with the team and then now how have they grown since then because they the so, one thing that me and Dave discussed is that when I went to uh, bas- when I was uh, a student tw- from 2011-2015 our team didn't make it only made I think two tournaments while I was there for five years so then my expectation was always like oh we can make it hopefully and now yeah. I think that everyone's expectations have has shifted higher the expectation yeah yeah so my first year on campus. I didn't work for the team, but I still went to every game because I just I didn't have the connections yet. And that that year there was so many close losses where if, if we just win one more game, we make the tournament. So that was the game where we were like we lost the pit by one at home. Mm. You know, Bryce Johnson had like thirty nine and twenty six against us at home. Um, we lost a, we lost a couple games at home that we just shouldn't have lost. And if, had we not lost those, we would have made the tournament. But then I start working for the team, and I'm looking at all this talent around us. You know, between XRM, Dwayne Bacon, mm, Jonathan yeah. Isaac. Uh, Michael Ojo, Terrence Mann, just you, you look at that roster now, I think 11 or 12 of the 13 guys have had a professional career. And that's just insane. It was such a stacked roster. Yeah, I just remember looking around in preseason going, we're going to be really damn good. <laughs> like, I, I know all these preseason polls are picking us like eighth or ninth, but there's no way we're finishing eighth or ninth in the ACC. This team is way too good. Yeah. Way you too know, good. One, one, one thing I want to talk about is kind of the evolution of Leonard Hamilton. Leonard Hamilton was always a defense first guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was his thing. That's what he was known for. His teams would scrap you down to a 65-62 game. You white, you should bet the under in every game and Leonard Hamilton coaches in. That's changed. I, I mean, he has totally evolved into running an offense-focused, offense-first scheme. Any insight on that? I mean, it's just crazy to me. He almost got forced into doing it because after we won the ACC championship, in 2012, they changed the rule books on us. So we couldn't play the same physical defense that we'd been playing in the past. And his decision and the rest of the staff's decision was, well, if we can't do this, let's just do a complete 180, turn ourselves from a twin post, slow it down offense to four out, really athletic, really spread the ball. 
Um, and, and it took some time to overturn that because, you know, he'd been recruiting the same way for so long. Yeah. You know, you had Carl White, Ryan Reed, Kamaji, Ojo, Bojanovsky, you know, you name it. They had so many guys, Phil Kofer, you know, he, he yeah. was recruited to go twin post and had to make that transition out to the, out to the wing. Um, and, and credit to coach Jones and coach Dickie nut, who's now with coach Gates at Cleveland state. They, they had a huge part in designing the offense and fitting, finding an offense that, you know, not only worked, but was able to be recruited and say, Hey, we want you to fit this system, but this is a really fun system. I think you're going to fit in it. And I think you're going to enjoy playing in it. And we've seen some unbelievable offensive performances since then. I mean, it's kind of shows goes to show like what kind of coach he is. when he actually is able to adapt like that, especially when like he's, he has that, he's had that twin post identity for so long. And then when it changes with the rule book changes, like he's able to actually adapt with that, which is, you know, huge. And that's what it shows his, it shows with his success on the court. And I think the one thing, though, that we always hear with Ham is that, I mean, I love Coach Ham, but the thing is, I you hear on Twitter now, he's, you know, he's getting up there in age as well. Like, do you think that he is the guy to actually get us finally to that, you know, the promised land of actually winning in Natty, like, during the season? Do you think that? Or do you think that he'll be able to – he's just the guy that makes, the, makes a stable foundation for a program? They, they would have won it last year. I'm fairly confident saying they, they would have won it all yeah, last yeah, year. We, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I know a lot of Florida State fans are like, oh, that was the team. It was the team. They had just, they had just such the right makeup of veteran leadership and Trent Forrest, you know, defensive versatility because Malik Osborne was playing super well last season at the five. And when, when everyone in the lineup, six, five through six, nine, they can all, they can all shoot the three. They can all run the pick and roll. They can all defend on defense. That's tough. That's really, really tough to play against. That, that was the team. The, the only team that, probably would have beaten us with Kansas, but I just don't trust them in the postseason. Yeah. Every other team I'm fairly confident Florida State would have beaten. Trying to replicate that trying to replicate something like that again, I don't know. It's tough. We're gonna have some talent coming in next season. Um, especially if they can land a couple of transfers that I think they'll land. But it, it may take another season or two to get back to that kind of level because that team was unbelievable. Yeah, I was actually gonna ask about that too, because the one thing that Dave has been like uh, telling me about is like we have a lot of we are the class that we have coming in is a bunch of studs and mm-hmm. not only on the high school level, Dave is a huge fan of uh, Caleb Mills, the Houston transfer. Yep. And that's like one of the big things like we were missing was the true point guard. And he is that. So then could you tell us a little bit about, about the, you know, the transfers coming in, the high school kids coming in right now that you think are going to make a huge impact? Yes. I mean, Caleb Mills is fantastic. He was American conference preseason player of the year averaging, what was it? 12, six and four or something like that. Yeah. really talented player. He transferred away from Houston because they kind of took the ball out of his hands. And now he's coming to Florida state where he's got the ball in his hands a lot, especially in a system that everybody handles the ball. So I think it's going to be beneficial to him. And he just saw his former team go to the final four. There's no way he's not motivated to do the same thing in Tallahassee. Oh, he's salty I, a bit. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, he, He's the first guard that we've had that can shoot the three since Laux, like consistently XRM obviously could, but he, he kind of struggled with it at times. This is yeah. the first consistent guy we've had since Laux. And I think that's going to be hugely beneficial. I think it's going to be something we haven't seen from Florida State in a long time. And then Cameron Fletcher just committed last week. It's another guy I'm pretty high on. I, I know things ended weird from in Kentucky. Um, for the people that don't know, he was the one that Coach Calipari went on Twitter and started bashing the player, saying this is not what we expect from someone in this program. We were asking him to step away. He actually came back like a week later. and Everything they said was – he was great. He handled it like a professional. And really, from everything I got, and he just he was wanting to outcompete everybody else. And I'll, I'll take that on my team 10 times out of 10. 
especially with if CY and Ham trust them, I absolutely trust them because those guys know how to get the best out of anybody. Right. You know, people look at it and they say, oh, we average like, what, 1.6 points a game. I don't I don't look at that. I mean, you can't, first of all. And second of all, the kid is talented enough to be on Super this talented. roster and be playing big minutes. Super talented. I mean, we, we just saw what Johnny Juzane did at UCLA. He went from playing eight minutes a game at Kentucky to starting at UCLA, scoring 20 points a game in the tournament. Yeah. Um, sometimes Kentucky has their system and they want guys to fit their system instead of recruiting to their system. And sometimes it's tough on a player like Fletcher, who's a phenomenal defender, wants to get up in your face, press 94 feet. Not a phenomenal score yet, but he has the potential to be a three-level score. That's just not what Kentucky does. They have a certain way of doing things. I think a team like Florida State is going to be perfect for him. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. Please tune in tomorrow for part two of our interview with Austin Vesey on the Locked On Seminoles podcast. Please, if you can, don't forget to follow, rate, review, like, share, and subscribe either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Drake for Dave and Austin, and this was Locked On Seminoles. See you tomorrow.